Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Prime Minister says Canada cannot hide from the truth of what happened at residential schools. Sadly, this is not an exception or an isolated incident. We're not going to hide from that. We have to acknowledge the truth. Residential schools were a reality, a tragedy that existed here in our country, and we have to own up to it. Vaccination rates increase, but Canada still faces risk. Lots of Canadians stepping up for dose one of their vaccine, but we've got a ways to go for second doses. And of course, the international scene with uh, the virus is still in a precarious place, including the growth of variants in otherwise, um, I would say, stable countries. And Air Canada gave executives bonuses while negotiating with the federal government for support. This support will be in the form of loans that Air Canada will repay to the federal government and equity, which will give the Canadian government a stake in the company. It's Tuesday, June the 1st. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Susan, thank you for being with us today. Good morning, Mark. Let's start with what happens next after the discovery of the the unmarked graves of 215 children at a residential school in Kamloops, British Columbia. Uh, the Prime Minister spoke about it yesterday. Flags have been lowered to half-mast, as we discussed on, on the show yesterday. Uh, but I think there's a sense that, that this is a moment of reckoning, that, that there are probably more graves that are going to be found, more bodies of children uh, elsewhere in the country, and that the country is really coming to terms with the horror of the residential school program. Uh, yesterday, Charlottetown made the decision to remove a statue of Sir John A. Macdonald from the downtown of that city because of his connection to the residential schools program. So what types of other actions do you think are going to result from what's been discovered over the past few days? Well, I think that's the crucial question now, too, is whether, as you, you, I think, correctly point out, we feel like this is a moment. In my mind, it, it felt a bit over the weekend like the moment when the, the body of a young refugee boy, Alan Curdy, washed up on a beach. And it, even though people had been reading stories all in that summer of 2015 about, about the horrors of, of, of the refugee crisis, it was, it was a tiny, innocent child that did it. And I think that, that Canadians... Um, whether they knew about the residential schools or not, I think it is the idea of 215 innocent children, um, unmarked, unnoted, that, that really brought it home. The question is what happens from this? Because this is a complicated story about redress. And I think if you watch the Prime Minister's press conference yesterday, he, he almost looked a little impatient with, with people wanting to say, are, are you new here? This has been a story that's been around for a while. And when he was asked what he could do more, he sort of rattled off all the things they were doing, but raised an important point that it's not just in the government's hands to do this because they are taking out of respect and deference to Indigenous people, taking their cues about what to do from back and forth talk between governments and and indigenous communities so in terms of 
actual what we can do about this, that's the open question. When when Alan Curdy's body washed up, Canadians immediately rushed to you know to sponsor refugee families to contribute to international aid, and. I think we, we only get to a moment in the country when Canadians themselves, not just governments, feel they can do something. So I think that's what I, I'm going to be watching for is what, what just like the pandemic even, it, what, are, what are we as, as Indigenous or non-Indigenous Canadians, mostly non-Indigenous, being asked to do with this moment? And uh, I... That, We'll see. There's a there's a debate tonight in the House of Commons. Um, I think it starts at 6:30, and uh, this is what politicians like to do with big moments. But I think it's not what the politicians do with it; it's what we Canadians, citizens, do with this moment. Yeah, and I th- I think just quickly before we move on to other topics, I think there's another element to this, which is that many times there have been symbolic gestures that have been made about the lives uh, and deaths of Indigenous people in this country. And uh, and the question, I, the relevant question, I think, is what type of meaningful action is going to result right. from this rather than just f- flags flying at half-mast, which is not the wrong decision, but it's not the whole... Uh, it's It can't be the entire response, right? No, I think, I think a few more symbols are being sought, uh, namely from the Catholic Church and the Pope, uh, that's still on the agenda. The uh, uh, indigenous leaders are looking for that from uh, from the Catholic Church, but I think also money. Um, the Prime Minister said yesterday he feared, but also expected that we're going to see more of this as uh, as more money is spent trying to find out what happened at those places and with research and um, and archaeology, grisly archaeology like this. All right, let's turn to the coronavirus pandemic. And uh, the experts are now advising that it might be okay to mix and match when it comes to the second dose of the vaccine. It doesn't necessarily have to be the same brand as the first dose that you've received. Um, There's been all kinds of scrutiny on the vaccination program. How soon are people going to be vaccinated? There have been glitches in, in the registration system in Ontario in the past 24 hours as well. Uh, so where do you think we stand on, on this, and, and how are Canadians feeling about it? A poll was out yesterday showing that people are generally feeling a little more upbeat as doses get into arms. But I think we've talked about this uh, on, a, on a Tuesday or two over the past few weeks. As soon as we get past this thing of first doses, we're going to go into the scramble about second doses. And this is where we're at now. We're... Um, we're getting up over, you know, into the 60% of Canadians vaccinated range. And we are seeing that, you know, things are moving. Things are even reopening. There are reopening plans based on vaccinations. Uh, here in Ontario, much hinges, uh, much return to normal returns on the second dose numbers. They've got to be, uh, I think it was 25% or something like that before Ontario can move into anything close to what we're seeing in Quebec. So um, we are in the second dose scramble. This this news about mixing and matching is good news. Just generally, it almost vindicates Canada's decision to buy a number of vaccines because now 
uh, you're you're not stuck with brand loyalty. You can uh, you can shop around to your heart's content, depending on supply. So, I think the the people who will be most relieved about this are the AstraZeneca, all those people who got AstraZeneca shots. But uh, there will be um, the others too who are happy that uh, second dose means return to normal, and that's uh, that's where we're at. Yeah. All right. Uh, meanwhile, of course, uh, the government has faced all kinds of different financial decisions and uh, over the last year, and, and one of them was to provide financial support to Air Canada. And the news broke yesterday that Air Canada executives received bonuses and stock awards while that bailout was being negotiated. Uh, this is a familiar sort of storyline that we've heard before when governments have gotten involved in companies or when massive layoffs have happened, but executives have still gotten big compensation packages. So how do you think people are going to react to this? And does it change the dynamic of the relationship between the government and Air Canada regarding this bailout? It sure does. I, I don't think we've heard the last one of this. There's there's one thing that all the parties seem to be united on now. And if you listen to the conversation in the House of Commons, every single day there is one type of bad guy in Canada on which they all agree, and that is rich people. <laughs> if, there's, if there's anybody that's going to get singled out for scorn, whether you're conservative, you're Democrat, liberal, green, bloc, it's wealthy Canadians uh, have to pay their fair share. I think you hear Deputy Prime Minister Christopher Freeland say that all the time. This was a, a, a tortured sort of negotiation with Air Canada. Remember that the government, the government was determined that um, it was helping people who used Air Canada, not Air Canada itself and its executives. And that's, you point out, a familiar story. We'll remember in the... Uh, there was a lot of consternation, especially in the United States, about bailouts of banks and uh, and how well they did. And this comes a week after we heard the banks made record profits last week, too, during a pandemic when many of us were not making record profits. Mm. So I, I, I actually think that that this is a talker, this story, that, uh, that Canadians will have very little patience for it. And it goes against everything the government had been doing all the way along in this pandemic. You heard every time they talked about pandemic relief, it was for Canadians, not for businesses. It was for small businesses, not for big businesses. And uh, this is way off message. I, I don't think we've heard the last of this one. All right. We'll see what kind of reaction there is throughout the day. Susan, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. The residential school system is a dark and painful part of the Canadian story. And sadly, new chapters are still being added to this sad history. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Vancouver Sun, Daphne Bramham argues unmarked graves prove Canada's genocide of Indigenous children. Bramham writes... Long talked about, there is now evidence of hundreds of deaths in church-operated, government-sanctioned residential schools. It is our nation's shame that they died after being taken from their families by the federal government and put into what was supposed to be the care of the Catholic Church. After all these years, the unmarked graves are tangible proof of what happened there, evidence of what generations of First Nations people have been saying. 
residential school atrocities are not stories, they are truths. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues, children buried at residential schools deserve the basic respect of recognition. The Star writes, If there's one sure thing about the discovery of 215 unmarked graves at a former residential school in Kamloops, B.C., it's that there is more to come. Of course, the federal government should agree to demands for a thorough search to locate graves, document the names, memorialize them, and return them to families and communities. Any human being deserves at least that much. And it's a disgrace that Canada is only now getting around to this task. In the Ottawa Citizen, Kelly Kobe argues COVID-19 shows the need for open science. Kobe writes, Many health researchers never publicly share their results. Many studies remain behind a paywall. This means the public doesn't have access to important information. That must change. Adopting an open science research culture not only supports equitable access to information, but fosters innovation and discovery. The pandemic has allowed us to reflect on these issues. We need research policies that value research quality and that incentivize open science. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. There will be several events today focusing Canadian politicians' attention on Indigenous Canadians and the issues facing them. CPAC's Martin Stringer has a look at two of them. Mark, first of all, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, the Native Women's Association of Canada will release its action plan and outline its next steps on how it will try to seek action from the government on the recommendations of the National Inquiry into Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls. The government has committed in the last budget to funding for action on on the inquiry's recommendations, but it has been two years now since the inquiry released its final report. And yesterday, the Native Women's Association of Canada announced it was walking away from the government's process in frustration. So it'll be interesting to see what they have to say today. And then tonight, after the normal proceedings of the House of Commons, MPs will take part in a four-hour take-note debate triggered by that horrific discovery last week by First Nations community in Kamloops, B.C. of the mass grave of what's believed to be 215 Indigenous children at a former residential school. You can expect the government to come under pressure during the debate tonight to commit to more action on the issue of the legacy of the residential schools, including calls from opposition parties to abandon several outstanding legal challenges by the government to compensation claims by survivors, and also a call to fund other forensic searches of numerous other potential sites of mass graves of Indigenous children. So Mark, a full day of discussion of the government's handling of Indigenous issues in Canada. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will deliver a keynote address at the Federation of Canadian Municipalities annual conference. He will also attend question period. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole will hold a news conference to speak about his party's Opposition Day motion. And Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchette will hold a news conference in Ottawa. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, June the 1st. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.